So for the people that don't know, this week we're actually going to be talking about uh, Shirke and Isidro. So yeah, pronounce her name right this time, just for you guys. Yep. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, we know we like to do character-focused episodes, and I think we actually did one sort of on them before, but we didn't do it complete justice. These are two really special characters. Shirke in particular for me um, is probably... She's essentially my second favorite character in the series. I mean, I don't I don't count Guts because he's the main guy, you know, but we've already been through all that. So she's got a special place for me. But, I thought um, you voted for Guts and Skull Knight. That was my first vote. I changed it. <laughs> yeah, he changed times. it. He rigged the fucking poll. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, allowing allowing freedom is not cheating. Yeah, but it's not objective. <laughs> nah, that's, I'm not gonna get into that. But I object on principle. <laughs> that's for a podcast. That's for a podcast. Like He's president or something. I mean, jeez. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll start out. Uh, we wanted to start talking about kind of where the characters came from, their origins, because I, I think earlier in the one of the podcasts, one of us had said, and Isidro used to be a thief, and I was like, he wasn't a thief. Oh, oh, oh actually, he was, and so. You know, it's, it seems like it's so distant from from where he is now. Not so, so distant, but this is the same guy that used to be you know, running away from guys holding, holding sausages in his mouth, you know. <laughs> he's, he's come quite a long way. Uh, well, well, a little he? bit. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you see some part of his older personality. I think he's grown quite a bit across the yeah. series. He's a little more mature now. He's less about, you know, just looking out for himself these days. So, but that, that's where I wanted to start was the, was the beginning, which was basically, you know, a, a kid pretty much just looking out for himself and nobody else. Um, and on the run always since he left his village, had to kind of live as a thief, even though his ultimate ideal is to be a knight or a warrior, the ultimate swordsman, you know, which is the this greatest. Yeah. The greatest swordsman, but. In his mind, this is kind of like a knightly figure, you know, a guy in like a typical knight outfit. And, and then he has encountered Guts. And I think what's happening with Isidro across the course of the series is that he's having to kind of reevaluate his personal goals and what his his own abilities are. I think that's the neat part of his character is he's kind of reexamining what his natural talents are, what he can actually do within the scope of his, his own, you know, abilities versus where he wants to be. Well, that being said, I, I don't think... I don't think he's quite decided what uh, he wants to be yet. I mean, aside yeah, sure. from his dream to become the greatest, you know, warrior and such. But yeah, I think uh, you're right to say that um, he's grown and he's probably his goals have evolved. But uh, I don't think we've, I think we've yet to see him really deciding on what he wants to be and what he wants to do, you know. But yeah, I, I think it's in the process uh, so far. Yeah, there's definitely a feeling with him. Uh that there's going to be a shift down the line that, you know, the because I mean, the dream he has now to be the ultimate swordsman or whatever. I mean, that's a, that's a kid's kind mm-hmm. of dream. You yeah. know, even guts didn't, you know, <laughs> like when he was a kid, he wasn't, you know, I want to be the ultimate swordsman. I mean, it was a more mature sort of, you know, he wanted to explore the limits of his, you know, his swordsmanship. So I don't know if that's where Isidro's future, you know, ultimately lies. And I don't know if you guys are expecting this, but there's sort of, I'm still waiting for sort of a aha moment where he's sort of, I don't know, turns away from that and sort of, you know, focuses on something else in his life that he decides is more important. Well, but, I mean, similar to similar to Guts, who was yeah. more or less wandering aimlessly, you know, for a while. You know, I think Isidro has yet to find the thing that he's, you know, like, like Guts is fighting to protect something. I don't think Isidro is quite there yet, you know. 
But I, I think he'll find something worth fighting for other than simply himself, you know? Yeah, well, and yeah. I also think that there might be a moment where he just, you know, if he hasn't realized it yet, you know, being guts, you know, essentially isn't the the best thing in the world for you. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's not a happy life. Uh, that being said, I think, uh, I think his evolution is likely to be, you know, character based. Like the, the fact he's in the group right now, I think that, that will play a big role in, uh, him deciding what he wants to do. And, you know, you know, with all the big events, you know, going on and such, I think it might be like, you know, all right, I'll be part of this team of guys and we are going to be doing something about this stuff, you know, going on, on a grand adventure at the same time being the good guys. I, I think it's something that's going to appeal to his, you know, you know, what's a, you know, inherent, uh, heart, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I've always thought of him as kind of like a kid undergoing an identity crisis because he keeps striving for these certain things, but you know he's, he's not quite there yet. But he's kind of um, what's the word? Stubbornly sticking to his dream. Uh, Griff, earlier you compared you know the way Asidro has been going about his life and the way Guts went about his life as when he was of the same age. But I mean, the difference. There's a couple of differences, of course, but it's it's certainly interesting to compare the two. But I mean, just in that particular example, I mean, Isidro chose this life. He said, I'm bored with my village life. It's keeping me, you know, pinned up, pinned in. He wanted to set out on an adventure. He didn't want to be trapped at home. And Guts, however, yeah. was, you know, thrust into it from, from childbirth. So yeah, it's yeah, very Guts different. didn't really have a choice. Right, right. Yeah. And, and then the, that being said, you know, as teenagers, there, there are certain qualities that are similar between them. And I, I think Guts recognizes that as well. Which is probably part of why he doesn't just blow him off even earlier in the series. You know, he might have recognized something about himself in the kid, which is kind of cute. Yeah, I think uh, in their first uh, meeting after Isidro very cutely tries to steal his sword and then gets stuck under it. You know, like getting yeah. stuck under a car or something. And yeah. just picks it up and is ignoring him. And I forget exactly. I think Isidro, you know, is, you know, gives him a little attitude and guts, you know, responds, guts- you know, he appreciates it. Yeah, Guts. I think he's talking. They're all talking about his training, and Sidro says he, he doesn't want to serve under anybody. And then yeah. Guts like, laughs at that. You know, similar to Guts at the time. You know, he didn't want to be to be too close to anybody. Didn't want to rely on anybody at the time of his in his life. I'm, I'm thinking like you know, just after Bazuzo, that whole thing. Yeah, but yeah. Um, if we're gonna compare them a little more. Um, in volume 19, there's this little scene that I, I, I caught, uh, most recent rereading, where, you know, Isidro was in charge of finding Casca and then keeping Casca safe. Uh, and then he ends up, you know, she gets ahead of him and he gets tied up. And so ultimately he loses Casca, basically. And then Guts catches up to him and it's, it's a wordless exchange between the two where Isidro just kind of hangs his head down and Guts, like, you know, grabs him by the scruff of his, uh, shoulder and yeah. just look in his face, you know, and it, it really reminded me of uh, Gambino at the time because you could see that Gus was about to hit him. Basically, it was it was the yeah? There was like scene, there was you know? like violence in the air in the yeah. in the moment, and then he relents and there's this really genuine look on Isidro at the time, and then Gus just continues on. It's a totally wordless scene, and you can obviously draw on it what you will, other than what's obvious about it, but. Uh, I, to me, I thought of Gambino and, uh, the comparison between Guts and, Guts as an adult versus when, when Guts is looking at Gambino as an adult figure in his life. So, there's some, always some interesting roles between the two and how different Guts is from his father figure. 
I think Gus has been yeah, mostly very very nice with with Isidro, you know, right sure. from the onset. Like you said, even when they first met after Isidro, you know, even after he tries to to take his sword and such, he's just asking him uh, like, yeah, do you want to be a swordsman? You know, have you killed somebody? And all along, you know, during their, that phase, you know, where they are just you know exploring each other, you know, learning to <clears throat> to know each other, I think Gus is is being very nice with him, very very nice, you know, from and you know even. It's uh, in a way it empowers you know Isidro to you know get more confident about his abilities and such, and that of course is developed you know later on when he actually starts training him you know mm-hmm. sort of yeah so yeah very different from Gambino and I think uh, it just goes to show you know, it's it's another thing that shows how guts really is you know inside mm-hmm. you know even despite his gruff you know behavior sometimes it's actually probably. I mean, maybe one of the better examples of his kindness, because like you said, he is very, he's very kind to him from the beginning when he, when, you know, generally his, you know, usual reaction to everyone is sort of a, you know, a keep away from me kind of front, you know, where he just pretends yeah. to be a real nasty character. But with Isidro, he's kind of just open and, you know, seems, yeah, seems sort of amused by him and, and interested in him and yeah, just kind to him. Yeah, that being said, he does tell him to stay away at first, which is <laughs> the same thing he tells everybody. But, you know, the, the sad part is, you know, I always get the feeling that it's not even necessary he wants to be alone. But, yeah, he, danger comes to him at all times, you know. And yeah. you know, in Isidro's case, there's a, you know, the wheels, the wheelies, you know, that, right. you know, come to get him. So, yeah, it's quite, you know. Yeah, it, it's quite sad. And uh, it, it's, of course, it's a prelude to, you know, the group that, you know, forms around him later on. I think uh, just about the wheelies while we're on this subject, it's probably the closest we're going to see to like a motorcycle gang attacking, (laughs) which is pretty cool. You know, Griff, those enemies are in Dark Souls, like the exact same thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just saying. (laughs) But uh, whenever, you know, Joe's whole thing is he wants to learn – he wants to be around Gus to learn how to fight like him, but you know, slowly or maybe even more quickly than he realizes, you know, they're, they're such different fighters. They have such different abilities that he can't mimic him completely. Uh, and despite their similarities, whenever they were young and whatever, Gus actually tells him like, you know, everything about us is different, including the way we fight. So you're not going to learn much from me by mimicking my moves. So he has to tell Sidro that he has to develop his own, you know, style of fighting and, we talked about this in a previous podcast, but, you know, Guts has been learning how to fight his whole life, whereas Isidro, he's pretty much, I mean, this, holding a sword, you know, we're kind of seeing like the, the very beginnings of it. He may have used it as a, a scare tactic in his past, but you get the sense that he's never really trained or seriously trained before, you know, we yeah. see him on the on the page. So we're seeing the complete evolution of him from basically a, you know, homeless thief to a, you know, a warrior or someone that can at least you know, stand up for themselves in battle. Yeah, for as a like from a sword fighting perspective, we're seeing it pretty much from the ground up. Like I remember before yeah. he like t- he tried to take a swing on one of the wheelies with his, you know, that's whatever that stolen sword was that he had. <laughs> yeah. broke it in half. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it was always been it's always been, you know, like rocks and everything. He's actually, you know, he sort of seems like a natural talent when it comes to, yeah. you know, dexterity, you know, and agility and, you know, throwing things and hand eye coordination. He'd actually be better off learning maybe from Serpico or, you know, someone like Judo. Well, that's what's, that's what's so uh, funny and uh, cool about the character, I think, is that it's very realistic, uh, realistically written 
about a, a teenager or a young kid, at least. I don't know how old he is exactly, of course, but a young kid who I've, I've said this a couple times now that, you know, has natural talents, but is ignoring them because of what's <laughs> cool for them at the moment. You know, like yeah. I, I wanted to be the ultimate yeah. swordsman, you know, regardless of the fact that I can, you know, dead eye shot a guy in the eye from, you know, yeah. 500 feet away, you know, screw so that. Really take like two birds out of the air, you know, or something yeah. like yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think that's realistic for a kid, though. A kid has their yeah, own. And, uh, it's, it's cool that, you know, despite, you know, like you said, their differences, it's not like Guts just tells him, yeah, like to fight, you have to get a sword, a big sword and hit. He actually tells him to use his talents and Isidro realizes, you know, there's this scene where, you know, he takes out the birds and he realizes he's, he's very good, you know, yeah. you not know, answering stuff and such. And he actually decides, you know, later on to use, you know, you know, two swords to fight, you know, his two hands. And, and Guts also encourages him by, you know, providing him with uh, his, you know, uh, little bombs, you know, his throws. So I, I think it also goes to show how careful Guts is, you know, despite his, you know, like his looks, like he doesn't care, but he actually pushes Isidro in the right direction. And Isidro is smart enough to realize what his strengths are. And that's how we could see him, you know, develop to, you know, he's currently a a pretty good fighter for his age. I mean, it's, it's, you know, he's fighting, you know, uh, supernatural creatures and such, and he, he does well. So I think this progress is very interesting, you know, from that point of view. I mean, he took down boss troll, did he not? I mean, in the, in the yeah. clip off. So that's pretty yeah. impressive, really. After pretty much his first real, you know, sortie, I mean, he, he didn't really seriously put himself on the battlefield before then. He kind of, kind of played like flanking duty during the night, you know, see them in a couple of yeah. scenes, but that's his first real big fight. And, so. you know, speaking of the psychological aspect of it, you know, when, uh, you know, Gus and him first met, you know, Gus asked him many things. He also asks him if he's ever killed somebody, you know, which is, you know, I guess very, you know, cold, but at the same time, very realistic. And he's yeah. always like, oh, yeah, I've killed just maybe one or two guys. You know, he, of course, he's bullshitting. It's pretty yeah. plain. Yeah. And there's this scene in Ritanis where they're fighting the pirates and Isidro is like, you know, the weight of fighting humans and not just monsters is, you know, it's, it's, uh, waiting on him quite a, quite a lot, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I found that, that scene very interesting. You know, the fact, you know, fighting people and actually killing somebody for a kid, it's not something you do, you know. I mean, it's not without consequences. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that part. I think it was very realistic, you know, killing a beast, you know, a monster is one thing, but, you know, killing somebody, uh, a person, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's not the same. Literally they even, draw, uh, drawing they blood. Even, yeah, exactly. They I mean, they even emphasize the weight of like you know literally blood being in the air, you know, and like he'd never. I think he said he'd never like you know drawn blood from somebody kind of like man, that yeah. before. Yeah, and yeah. all the and obviously the pirates, you know, completely changed their attitude. Yeah. After that, well, that's a really cool scene. I wish we had more of that. Uh, you know, a Sidro seeing a scene focused on a Sidro in a battle, whereas generally he plays kind of second role or third role yeah. or fourth or fifth role in these kind of fights. <laughs> it's nice to get a, a really focused scene about him well, and how he's progressing. I think that the, the you know, inherent problem of the group aspect, you know, where there's, you know, the Serpico, there's, you know, Isidro and Azan and everybody, and none of them can get, you know, some kind of their own, you know, little show because your know, guts is there and, you know, everything happens at once. So, but I, I think... I think and I hope, you know, we'll get to see more of each of them, you know, uh, the, in the, you know, light, you know, at some point later on. Mm. Yeah, I think Isidro actually, like, now that you mentioned it, I do think he actually gets quite a bit of, like, his own development just because he is still developing, like, you know, in such an interesting way, probably for Mira too. 
Whereas, you know, like someone like Serpico has been very static. And so it's like when we get those sort of establishing shots of him, like, you know, seeing uh, Roderick and uh, and Farnese, you know, hanging out, it's the same sort of, oh, shucks, you know, <laughs> kind of, you know, like he's yeah. not really, you know, upset or anything. But what with the Sidro, it's like he's learning how to fight, you know, and you see him, you know, with the Zan and, you know, it's it's kind of, it's a lot more of a, an uplifting, you know, and sort of, you know, rising arc that he's going through. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that Isidro is one of the characters in the stories that has the most potential, you know. Farnese, yeah. uh, Farnese had a lot and, uh, she's developed quite a bit, but Isidro is still like, I'm not going to say everything's yet to be done, but he's still got a lot of, you know, potential. And I, I think it's going to be exploited, you know, uh, as time, you know, goes on. I think, I don't think it's just stay like, you know, like you said, the third or fourth guy, you know, you know, in the, you know, how to say, on the side. So, yeah, it's, it has a lot of things to be looking forward to, you know, in regard to that character, I think. Do you think we'll ever see Isidro all grown up? Well, that's a good question. I'll let Griffiths answer that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He's going to be taller than Guts. It's going to totally ruin his fighting style. <laughs> it's going to, no, that would, uh, I was thinking about that. Like, I, I do think it would be funny if, like, because, you know, of the whole learn how to fight differently, it would be funny if he grew up to be, like, a big, tall guy and it, it ruined everything he learned, basically. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, and he had to fight completely differently. But, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's interesting to think, like, I, I used to th- sort of think, like, oh, that'll be so cool. We'll see them grow up. But I think I'm confusing, like, the time that, like, we're taking reading it. Like, you know, it's been, like, years and years. But if Isidro was a real kid, he actually would have grown up by now. Have you ever oh, thought of that? I mean, if it yeah. was progressing chronologically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I mean, if it was like, you know, yeah, from yeah. the time that we saw him to now, he'd be like, you know, what it is. He'd be like 15 years older or 16 he'd be years a, older. He'd be a father of two and a doctor, <laughs> yeah, a doctor yeah. and something, yeah. He so, would be actually look, about 30, 32 years old right now. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It depends on... I wonder if it would be sort of a chicken or the egg thing. Like, would it happen because Miro wants to do a, you know, a jump forward for some reason, you know, that's just necessary to the overall plot? Or would, or would he do a jump forward just to, you know, for the coolness of being like, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to get to a Sidro, you know, fully developed. I want to see him done. Well, I mean, it could be done in so many different ways. I mean, like, I've, I've, I've argued for, I've argued for a while that I think a jump forward, could benefit the story in a number of different ways. I mean, we could yeah. see Falconia take its roots over a number, like like a decade or so, or maybe even five years or whatever it happens to be. There's, you know, t- time marching on would affect the story in a number of interesting ways. Not only of which seeing these characters that are young, uh, a little bit more grown up and a little more sure of themselves, yeah. a little more further down the line from their current character development, but it could also be done something like not even necessarily in terms of seeing the main story progress, but merely a kind of a look forward after the story's done, like a kind of like a post and epilogue kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And that would be really cool as well. Of course, I'm looking into the far distant, distant future. I'm just saying in terms of, do I ever expect that to happen? I do. I do expect to see these characters grown up slightly, What, however it happens to happen on the page. Uh, yeah. And I, and I think, you know, I mean, it's inevitable to me that the story, you know, in terms of years, it's going to, you know, get on. I mean, I don't know exactly how many years it's been since we first saw Isidro in the story, you know, but it's at least yeah. been a year, you know, at least one, yeah. you know, may- maybe two, you know, and uh, I think, you know, at some point Mira is going to have to. So, so far, I don't think he's, you know, made Isidro 
age or should get age physically too much, you know. But yeah. at the same time, it's it's very tough to do. So you know, it's not something I, I would expect. But I think he's going to be doing it at some point. So even if we don't get to see Isidro as an adult, you know, I think we'll we'll get to see him as an older teenager, and uh, that might be interesting. And you know, I don't think he necessarily stays short in stature, you know, but he'll never be like Gus, like a huge, you know, mass of muscles or anything like that. But yeah. I, I would actually enjoy seeing him, you know, a bit grown up, you know, and same goes for, for Shiroki actually, you know, to see, see them develop, not not fully as adults, but, you know, go on and, you know, take on new dynamics within the group mm-hmm. and, you know, with each other. So I think it's definitely something we can look forward to. At least I hope, you know, to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you guys because, you know, I used to entertain ideas of, you know, seeing them as adults and maybe that would be something for an epilogue like uh, you said, Walter. But I think in the within the, the story as it goes, we'll probably just see like see them become like near adults, like, you know, older teenagers, not really. But I don't think it's going to be like that dramatic a jump. I don't think we're going to see like, you know, Guts and Isidro shaving together or anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we don't, see guts, we, don't, we don't see guts shaving now, so I know yeah. it's like no body hair at all. But uh, I don't know. So I think it'll be something, you know, a, a subtle shift, you know, like uh, both of you think as well. And uh, yeah, um, I guess what I was uh, one thing I was going to say about like a time jump is it would. I mean, unless it happened in you know Elfhelm, but it's hard to imagine it being out of commission that long. Can you imagine Guts, like, living, you know, surviving on this course for, you know, like, a, a five-year jump, you know, or five a ten-year jump? He'd be, I mean, he'd be dead, you know? I mean, he needs to be, like, you know, young in order to, to sort of sustain, you know, the lifestyle he has. Do you mean the course, like, uh, like... The way know, he, fi- the way his, what he's doing to his body, you know, on a, like on fighting, a regular... Yeah. Fighting yeah. sea gods, you know, on the side while <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, just sort of his existence, you know. I mean, it's like at this pace, he's not going to last, you know, six months. Sure. Well, so, I mean, the, the natural, you know, logical leap there is that Elfhelm would provide some stasis for them, you know, some sort of well, cure all. And yeah, yeah. A little. there's also a thing where I, I can see guts being inactive for like two years, two or three years, you know. And what I mean inactive, I mean like. Just being a lumberjack or I don't know, farmer or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I love it. A farmer. I don't mean, series. yeah, I don't mean literally like that, but I mean just not fighting, you know, taking living a rest. Normal, you know. Living like a normal average life. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, not just, you know, but, you know, and even then, two or three, three years already seem like a lot, you know, but five years or 10 years, that's ridiculous. I mean, just, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, it's I can't see it happening. I, I can't see. I, can I, I see. definitely can't. I can see it happening in Griffith's Photoshop of the future. I mean, that's the future. Yeah. Right? Ten yeah. years. I can see that. Oh, it was 20 years, wasn't it? That's a, that's a new series, though. That's preserved, too, <laughs> essentially. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I think three years, that's like a good number because, I mean, that's, there's precedent for this, you know, two and three year jumps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Mira never, you, I think it, it probably changes things too much to go beyond that. You know, you sort of lose the thread of what was oh, going yeah. on. Or, that's that's what makes it exciting to me to to think about the potential for five and ten. That's what makes it cool to me to like think about all the crazy things that would have changed over that time. Well, so yeah, you went but, over under on like time jumps, <laughs> you know, just like yeah, three or five. Well, it's it's kind of over arch, under, right? you know, two and a half years or something. Yeah, so. two point seven. You know, I, I think the thing is, even if it's just two years, you know, like they stay two years in a firm, then something happens. 
Uh, honestly, I, I think by the time they would have to go back to Falcon and such, the world would have, you know, it's enough, you sure. know, in my opinion, for things to change pretty drastically. I mean, yeah. even yeah. right now, I mean, last time Guts or Midland, it was like Windham and such. You know, they go back now? What the fuck? I mean, can you imagine? So, yeah, so I I think, you know, even if there's no time jump, it's already going to be a a big, you know, fucking, I mean, can you imagine them walking in the woods, you know, fighting hydras and cockatrices and shit like that? (laughs) It's pretty, you know, I mean, I'm excited for it and they're not even in Alpha yet, so yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And as far as, you know, Sidro and Sherke is concerned, even a two-year jump would, you know, considering their ages, would give Mira, you know, pretty much carte blanche to sort of completely yeah. redraw them if he wanted. He could, yeah. you know, make it as subtle or dramatic or drastic a change as he wanted. I would prefer, if they're going to do that, for a Sidro to get some new clothes. My God, guy. Yeah. Wearing the same fucking outfit for <laughs> however long it's been. It's really... They're all going to yeah. get Elfhelm chic, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess that's a safe enough transition into Shirke. Um, you know, we see her very first in volume 24. Uh, we don't see her face for a no. little bit. It's the same. We see her in volume 22 first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah. yeah. I should probably cut that out. It's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, the embarrassing part to me is, like, I was thinking of, you know, her first appearance outside the castle, but I didn't even remember, like, is that 24 or 22? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's, so it is, so it's as, as wins, as usual. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she was spying on uh, Griffiths uh, in Chet, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah, at the time, I wonder, I'm trying to think, oh, I guess we should address this, because this is definitely something we should address, is uh, perception of her. The she's, a, she's a huge. Backpack. She 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 has over the years has become kind of a huge. Uh, what's the word? Controversy is not the right word. It's kind of like a litmus test for how much of a Berserk fan you are, how much the reasons you're in the series to begin with. Because I remember, and I'll be totally honest, I was not super psyched that a witch kid, a young witch girl, was going to be you know the newest character. Uh, of the series, I didn't quite understand the direction he was going at the time, but over time, just like Shirke didn't all didn't trust guts and didn't like guts and didn't understand why she would be associated with him, that changed. Their relationship changed, similar to me, and now Shirke is one of my absolute favorite characters. I remember getting yeah. in an argument argument with a friend, a real life friend, over this. Like it wasn't an argument; it didn't come to blood and fistfights or anything. But <laughs> I said some stupid shit, and they called me on it, and uh, yeah. Shirke is definitely a worthwhile character, <laughs> but she is. She represents. Of, yeah, she re- exactly. She represents. She literally, that, that, the same thing. <laughs> you go ahead. Yeah, well, she's the she's sort of the face of sort of the changes, you know, in the series since that volume. You know, the magic. You know, the magic sort of taking over the world since Griffith's rebirth and you know our incarnation, I should say, Femtos yeah. and uh, Femtos incarnation. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. and. Uh, and, you know, the changes that have taken place, you know, sort of, you know, all the creatures that have come into the woodwork. She's obviously not a creature, but, you know, just sort of these people that were hiding in the know, like, you know, that were sort of, you know, in the background, like Flora, you know, and her have come out into the world because, you know, there's there's now there it's sort of it's their time. You know, this is their business. And yeah. that, that was sort of her introduction. And it's interesting that people like we I, we had a heads up, I believe, that there was going to be a witch character. Yeah. But, you know, I think everyone imagined, like, you know, like the ugly fortune tellers, you know, that we had seen and things like that as uh, as our idea of, you know, what a witch would look like in Berserk. 
And it was, I think it threw people through a loop to see this, you know, this cute, you know, looking mm-hmm. character, you know, that it was in like a real, you know, a stereotypical, you know, witch garb, you know, like it looked like a little girl in a witch Halloween costume even, you know? Yeah. And so I think that sort of like threw people and they didn't know, they didn't know how to react to it or where this was going. And, you know, that explains, you know, a lot of the, the negativity before we, her character even had a chance to show itself. We yeah. first heard about witches or that a witch would be introduced in a Mamira interview. I think Olivier probably conveyed it to us uh, in 2001 or 2000 or so. I can't remember. One of those years uh, that a, a witch was going to be a new, a new character. Uh, and then we got that postcard in 2001 that showed just her hat basically. Yeah. And, you know, and that's all we knew at the time. And so we weren't quite – didn't know what to expect, so – well, the funny thing is because it's so short, you like, again, it's like you don't imagine a kid. So it's like, oh, it's going to be yeah. like an ugly little goblin, you know, <laughs> woman yeah. you know, or something like that. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, it's just funny how it it basically like I guess to sum it up, it, she just she sort of defied everyone's expectations. Right. Yeah. She, she empathizes uh, the change, uh, you know, Bezak went through at the time. Not really a change in uh, in tone, but, you know, more like in scope, you know, where – like, like you said, when uh, Femto was incarnated, the world changed, and that's actually a line that's in the manga, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, all, all these, you know, things and people that were hiding in the woods pretty much came out. And I mean, that's literally what what happens in this case. So, yeah, I, I think uh, her character really embodies that, and uh, that's why it's a major major turn for the story and uh, and everything that you know came with it, including the Berserk armor, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, what's also interesting, uh, since we're talking about the shift in scope, I guess you can say like we were looking at this, the series as readers from kind of Gut's perspective, and then suddenly that perspective broadened into almost like an entire like universe or world perspective. And then we see that shift you know, over the course of the next several volumes into, into where we are now. But along with Shirke comes kind of the, the definition of the Berserk world, like the rules are being established at that, at the, at, from that point on, you know, leading into volume 24 when we get, you know, a huge knowledge dump about the lore and how the world works and things like that. So I think a lot of people may not acknowledge that, yeah, while the, the, there was a shift, it also gives more detail about the series itself along with this yeah. shift. So, mm-hmm. I mean... And it's not like, you know, you said knowledge dump, but I think it's uh, important to note that it's not like it was all new. I mean, it's not like just, you know, Mira decided to broaden the, the scope and that was it. A lot of it is based on things we already knew that were mm-hmm. already, you know, uh, you know, underlined the series or they weren't maybe in the limelight, but they were there. So I think, yeah, I think it, you know, it was broadened and explained and yeah, pretty much, you know, defined because I don't think things are going to get much, you know, more wider than that now. But, um, yeah, it was based on what was already there, you know. And I think it's interesting to see that, you know, even at the time, some people were, let's just say, close-minded about it. But mm-hmm. because he's he's rather open-minded, like he doesn't react negatively or anything like that. I think it's interesting to see how his reaction is portrayed, you know. Even to magic, when he first sees magic, he's like he's impressed by you know sure. what Shiruke unleashes on the on the village of you know Enoch. But you know. He's just, he accepts it and he walks with it and he just goes on with it. And I think it's a, it's a pretty good, you know, I don't know what to say, but I find it pretty realistic. After all the shit he's, you know, been through, 
he's just like, yep, more of the same, yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, at least this works in my favor, you know. So well, like a, a skeleton armor regularly visits him at night, you know, and he's like, whatever. You know, he's this, this he's an open-minded guy. Well, it's but, interesting because uh, it, it it also like sorry to like hijack okay. it with guts talk, but it's all guts talk. But uh. You know, he recognizes people objectively by their abilities, whether it's a little girl or a little boy or whoever, you know, he only sees what they can do and what they can do for him. And so he, you know, that's why, you know, I remember people were like grossed out when he like called her commander. But, you know, he made the point. It's like, well, she's the one who has the abilities to do these things no one else can do, you know, and he he appreciates that. And so he's, you know, that's what he's judging people on. It's, you know, it's interesting. It sort of goes with that open mindedness that he has about things like, you know, he just looks at, you know, he, he sees people for, you know, what they are rather than what they look like or anything. So, you know, when you see someone like Zepic, he doesn't judge him <laughs> harshly because he looks like a piece of shit, but because he is. So, I don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting point, you know. I, I, it Even a little shows, girl, you know, impresses him. It ties, uh, you know, at the same time with what we were talking about earlier, you know, in his uh, behavior with Isidro is that, He's, you know, he's a pretty much a good guy at heart, you know, like he's, he's very nice with Shiroke, kind with her, and he recognizes, you know, he doesn't try to be the boss or anything like that. He lets her, you know, do her own thing because he doesn't know shit about magic, you know, and I, I think that's, you know, it, it shows, it's one of the little things, you know, untold that shows, you know, his true nature, you know, the nature of his character. That, that's how you can know, even though he's been, you know, killing people and monsters and shit for, for years and years, you know, he's a good guy just, you know, for little things like that. Yeah. I wanted, and it just shows you his, his intellect too. Yeah. In the same way that he respects somebody like Shiruki or Flora, but he'll despise, you know, someone like Zod or Grunbell, even though they are, you know, big and powerful guys, but, you know, because they are monsters and, you know, he can, you know, he's somebody that can see, you know, the, what's the inner nature of people. Right. He's a good judge of character, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Thank um, you. That's what you say. The, Guts, you know, you say Guts openly accepts magic. I mean, you're referring to volume 25 when after Shirake does the, the tidal wave in the, in the yeah. village and he says, that's the power of magic. You know, he's not yeah. critical of it or anything and he's not, but initially he is a little mistrustful and in, in volume 24, when uh, Morgan is telling them about the legend of the witch in the forest, Gus has this very suspicious look on his face. Like I've heard this kind of shit before. Like you know, <laughs> I, I was actually thinking of like Misty, Misty Valley. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Everyone's like, "Oh, yeah. there's but magic fairies live in the forest, and everyone's happy." Like, yeah, I'm sure it's exactly like that. You know, it's always and, yeah. Uh, but his face actually—it's actually interesting. I didn't notice till this now the, the way the page changes. Uh, two pages back, he's looking down and suspicious after the word, the mention of the word witch. And then two pages later, it's almost the same perspective. He's looking up, like in like the, the glamorous look of the forest mansion. Like it's a total different change in what he expected uh, a witch's place to be. You know, so I, I think yeah. he kind of quickly, particularly after he met Flora, you know, his yeah. com- his perspective completely changed on that pretty quickly. There's an interesting aspect too, is that when he meets her, he feels, you know, something in his brand. Right. And he's like, oh, what, what is this? But then he realizes he, he actually can sense a difference, you know, he, he can sense, he, he senses her through the brand, but he can sense she's not evil. So that was also interesting. And, and I think that's what, you know, solidified the fact, uh, he, he could, you know, accept, you know, a, a type of magic that wasn't, you know, based on just evil power, you know? Yeah. Going through volume 24, there's so much about Shirke in this, in this volume. What I find particularly, uh, cute is, it's just her thoughts on guts at the time. You know, she's completely 
close my she doesn't see how special a person that he is at first yeah it, it's a it's really neat to go back and, and look at these perspectives on from on him from before she truly got to meet him and to know where they would go as, as characters seeing the early stages of it is really interesting you know she basically doesn't see how this like you know basically close-minded tough guy is the way she first saw him would be someone important to her you know yeah it's really cool to see um also, you know, for someone that was raised pretty much by an old woman around trees and magical creatures, she's a relatively well-balanced person, kind of like, you know, <laughs> conscientious and polite and it's just uh it's an impressive raising that Flora had had made and yeah. I yeah, I she... do wish I do wish we had a little bit more background because you're kind of just left to guess, you know, where where her parent where parents truly came from. Uh, I guess we have to assume it's sort of like Erica, like she was an orphan. I'm assuming, you know, but but it's not really gone into though. Isn't it? Well, I I think she's the, Skull Knight and Flora's baby. That's boom. my that's my theory. That's being said, years old. She, she has a uh, she has green hair, you know. So there might be more to her than we than we know so far. I I think we we might get maybe not, but we might get something about uh, her origins, you know, sooner or later. I mean, I we know she wasn't. Like born from a tree or the midichlorians or something. Is that oh that God. would really disappoint me? <laughs> no, uh, I don't think it's going to be something lame like that. Just because <laughs> yeah. uh, it's Mira writing it, so it's not going to yeah. suck. But yeah, I think she might. There might be more to her just than just being born, you know, you know, from a man and a woman. I don't know actually. I have no idea, but it could be. I think it could be. And I think it could be interesting. You know, I was going to say, even though we get almost nothing on Isidro's uh, origins, we do get, you know, what matters. It's just like, sure. you know, for Griffith or Casca, you know, we know where he came from, why he left and what he's been doing. And it's just, you know, pretty much he's just assumed not to be interesting enough to have been shown to us. So, yeah. And, you know, and similarly, I think uh, we might get a line or two, you know, about Shuriken. Who knows? I, I guess we'll see. No, I, I think it makes sense actually. You know, I was thinking when they arrived at Elfhelm, uh, she could see something like that that reminded her maybe when she first saw the place or something like that. Uh, yeah, maybe, might, maybe something will trigger her memory or something like that at the time when they arrived yeah, at Elfhelm. Or, or they might comment on it saying, ah, yeah. so you're the one for her to care of. And like, oh, what oh. Do you like, oh, well. Uh, between us wizards or some shit like that. I don't know. We'll see. Or maybe even, you know, an elf could see her, you know, yeah. nature or, you know, there are many possibilities. But, you know, as to what you were saying about uh, her being, you know, uh, let's say well-raised and such, I, I think one aspect of her that's, you know, used often for com- comic relief, but uh, which is also touch, you know, on her personality is the fact she's quite socially Awkward, you know, she doesn't yeah. know how to behave really around people and such, especially, you know, in, you know, around humans when they get to, you know, Ritanis, for example. So, yeah, I think that's, that's uh, an interesting aspect of her. The fact she's very knowledgeable, more, more so than adults and such in some uh, respects, but <laughs> at the same time, she's still a kid and she's sometimes not necessarily very bright and she doesn't know how to behave well. She's easily embarrassed. Well, it's, you know, such things. Yeah. Most, I, most I, I just, Sorry, I just had sort of a funny realization about her and take this in the, you know, the way that it's intended. She's kind of like in the beginning, especially like if you were to like her archetype, she's uh, she's a little bit like Lisa Simpson, actually. And, and <laughs> bear with me for a moment. She is like this conscientious, like overachiever, you know, sort of a straight A student and a skeptic and, you know, yeah. kind of kind of whiny about things, you know, like she's, you know, like at the church, how she's saying like how that happened to the world and trying to make like big dumb guys like Guts understand and being frustrated that they don't. 
mm-hmm. you know, when obviously she's got a lot to learn about the way of the world. And so it's sort of interesting because, you know, that's sort of like the archetype her character is this like straight A, you know, student. Yeah. And it just made me think of Lisa Simpson where it's like it's sort of a funny – it's a funny comparison, but I think it actually sure. works. And let me know yeah. if you guys – yeah, I know. I think it's true. I think it's actually, uh, you know, rather pertinent. Of course, there are differences, not, you know, yeah. a perfect, you know, match. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I, I agree with you totally. And, uh, they're pretty much, you know, based on not the same model, but, uh, yes, yeah, the same, uh, archetype, you know. Well, uh, I was somewhat related. I was just going to say that, you know, as, as knowledgeable as she is, and as you say, she expresses some kind of like, uh, kind of wrong, wrong-headed thoughts, sort of. Or she takes, what's interesting about me particularly is that in Vertanis and earlier in, um, Enoch as well, she takes a hardline approach against humans. Uh, like she just mistrusts them. She thinks they're doing wrong in the world. But you, you look at Flora and, and, you know, she doesn't necessarily have that perspective or maybe she has that, but she doesn't express it in the same way as Shirke. So I, I think it's a way of her expressing her relative, you know, being a young person, not quite, Knowing all aspects of the world, simply seeing the, the negative parts of it, you know, well, we see yeah. her grow in that aspect as well. Not all humans are just, you know, guys destroying the world. She 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 stands up for what she believes, even you know, at her peril. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I think Florida is there to value, you know, nature and uh, you know, magic and such spirits and so. And you know, Shuriki decided on her own as a kid that you know. People who didn't respect it were just bad guys and such. And yeah, like you said, it's just, you know, her childish reaction to, you know, the ways of the world because she's so young still. Yeah. Um, while we're in 24, I had kind of a quick, quick aside. If you guys have that volume handy, I wanted to show you something kind of cool that I just caught. Uh, towards the very back of the volume, uh, Shirke is talking about uh, how the church was built on basically sacred ground from yeah. people. People, uh, yeah. places people used to worship. And then there's this, uh, kind of just shot. an abstract. Yeah, exactly. There's an abstract shot of kind of an elf, uh, around a stone yeah. circle kind of thing overlooking a church. Like a circular but, stone. Yeah. Right. But an interesting detail that I didn't catch until, you know, recently is directly behind the elf is a flower. As in, there's a flower associated with this elf that was right there in front of us. It's been there for, you know, 10, 12 volumes. And I, I never thought the association between the two in that way since oh, Cheech, you know? That's nice, actually. But, you know, yeah. uh, I think that elf has wings, you know? And uh, did Cheech sure. have wings? Yeah, pretty sure she did. Uh, I think she just has leaves. Anyway, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a quick Yeah, but, but I think, yeah, it's a cool association. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, yeah. Yeah, thing to notice retroactively. Whether it's, yeah. you know, a coincidence or not, it still it ties in rather nicely. Just like my Serpico spearing, you know, leaves on his sword thing. Total, <laughs> t- totally, per- totally pertinent. No, uh, I, I think that you, you have more of a case uh, here, honestly. So it's, it's a neat, uh, it's a neat detail. Cool. Yeah, that's all. That's as far as I got in my reread. But obviously, there's a hell of a lot more to discuss about Shirke and, and Isidro. So I opened the book on them. Um, I did want to say um, one of my favorite scenes is just between her and Guts on the. The ocean after the big battle at Flora's mansion after they've escaped. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, Shirka's hat blows off and Guts catches it and gives it back to her. It's just a small, short scene, but it shows how far the two of them had come. But at that point, they're at the totally different, they have a totally different relationship than when they first met. Just, you know, I'm assuming, I think it's three months earlier at that point. And that's where she really started to take hold of me. And it's actually the same as Guts in that scene, just seeing them interact together. 
Yeah, and it's just a. Uh, I mean, it, he looks so different too, and she's sort yeah. of the only one that like is really noticing and what kind of bad shape he's in. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, obviously she understands it on an even deeper level, you know, like that he's he's hurting more than you know physically, basically, right. and you know. So and also that's also when he he sort of opens up to her. I don't know if it's for the. I think it's basically for the first time. You know, he really you know he looks at the, you know, the sun. You know, and he really starts to wax poetic, and he gets kind of emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing Casca smiling, and so she she gets a little like hint of the depth of him. Right. And you know, so it's. I think that's probably you know it leads directly Actually, to the know, scene of them later each night. Right. If we really think about it, though, I think their relationship truly changed when she, you know, helped him with, uh, with Casca and everything, you know, I, I mean, basically he completely, uh, he, she was, she was inside his mind basically, you know, yeah, she, yeah, she's she seen got to see. his, some, yeah. of his, some of his memories and everything. So, I mean, I think that's pretty important to them as well. She sees that he's not just some blowhard basically, you know, independent of his actions. Yeah. I wish I had that volume handy. I don't, I will. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, before that, I forget. Or yeah, before that, uh, in the when they're fighting the trolls, it's interesting to see her attitude towards him, and you know, and everyone else. You know, when she sees like Farnese, you know, when he gives her like that compliment, and Farnese, you know, is like weak need, you know, <laughs> like not necessarily by the cop, but by the but by the whole experience, and. Uh, where she makes, you know, she notices that they're all fools, you know, for the guy, you know, and they all do what he says. And it's it's funny because later she sort of becomes a fool for him too. I think it's pretty interesting the fact she, you know, was more rational, you know, looking at, you know, how he was, you know, with the rest of them before she actually got to know him. And now she's, you know, pretty much the same, if not yeah, more so than the world. And they have yeah, kind of a special relationship, you know, more than anybody else because of the way that they fight. Uh, because of the way she has to basically, you know, fight with him in order to control everything. So they're, they're quite a different, quite a pair, uh, looking at the rest of the group as well. They're kind of an island under themselves because of that, I think. And she, uh, how does Shirke, how Shirke processes that though is a little cute and interesting. You know, she sees him kind of, uh, she has feelings for him that maybe she doesn't quite understand yet. Now I can't believe we haven't touched on that yet in the show, but. Sure. What do you guys think of that? We've discussed it before. Her feelings for whom? For Guts? Yeah. yeah. I think she's got a crush on him. I I think she understands that. She's got mm-hmm. a crush on him. You know, like a girl, you know, a young girl would have on a, you know, an adult that's, you know, the coolest guy around, you know, so you know, every, everybody's got a crush on Guts, you know. <laughs> I can understand it. I can understand it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we know he's destined for Aizen, you know. Sure. Of course. But, uh, <laughs> he needs uh yeah. Anyway. So, but I think I think she'll get over it. I think she'll get over it eventually, much like uh, Farnese might or not. But I I think she will get over it. Mm. Because of course, she's destined destined to get with uh Isidro. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Finally opening that door. Oh, yeah. It's too soon. It's too soon. We needed more Shirke, like, guts talk. No, I think it's fine. <laughs> no, no, wait, wait, wait. There, there okay, was, sure. like, a couple of things we had to touch on with that. Uh, well, first of all, just sort of the mellowing of her character, because I think that's that's sort of what her growth is, where she's sort of, like, she's gotten more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that really begins with, like, the, the key moment is when guts, you know, 
defends her honor in a sense after you know like that drunk spills on her. Yeah, and basically, you know, she's she, she, she's at her most awkward. Then she hates those clothes. She totally feels out of place in the in this human world. You know, she has nothing, and he gives her like this this beautiful context for her life and gives her a place right at that moment and sort of, yeah. you know, that immediately changes her. And I think that that took their relationship to another level with her crush. You know, it, it, I think it, you know, fortified it and made it, it made it not just a crush, but also something, you know, stronger, you know, in their friendship. Yeah. So yeah, it, it also solidified, I think the, you know, the bond, you know, of the group itself, you know, yeah. the fact, it's a family and such. Yeah, it, it was pretty interesting. The words he uh, got used at the time, you know, are, are pretty strong. You know, it's not like just you know, don't fuck with my friends. You know, he's really, you know, yeah. referring to them. You know, so yeah, and that, that brawl. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a it's a very key moment in their development. The fact they are one big, you know, family and uh, right. taking care of each other. So yeah. And I, I don't know, I think that took a lot of people by surprise just because previously Guts has been, you know, so antisocial. But it, but by that same token, it's like, yeah, you know, why wouldn't he think of these people as his family since, you know, he's very, very briefly or rarely had people he could consider friends or family. And so yeah, these people and, are as close to him as anybody. Yeah, and I don't think it's been so sudden. You know, I, I think actually he's warming up to other people as being very progressive. And uh, to me, one of the first key moments in that is when he realizes uh, after, you know, they come back from uh, the Clifford, you know. Yeah. He's, he's thinking about them and he's like that, oh, I have comrades again, you know. And there's this shot of uh, the band of the Falcon, you know. And uh, Well, I mean, I, they I, did I, go from comrades to family in like a volume or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, yeah, that's pretty much the case. But my point is, it, it's been, you know, the way it feels the story is that it's very progressive. Yeah. To, to me, I well, mean, when that, when that scene is about happened, I, I wasn't shocked. You know, I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's, that's it to be expected. But, uh, yeah. Well, I guess what I mean is it's sort of like it's the fallacy of how people look at things from their own perspective. And so it's surprising for, you know, we, you know we've all got our own families. So it's weird for us to think of someone just adopting like a group of what we would see as like his friends as like basically his family, like all of a sudden, you know, from from our point of view to him, it makes you know perfect sense that he would be thinking of them that way already. Because, I mean, they're the closest thing he might have ever had to that, especially considering what happened with uh, the the Falcons. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, despite the fact that the Falcons, he traveled with them much longer period of time, you know, he I think he's he's closer to these guys now uh because not only not only because of uh, the, the time they traveled together but also what they've been through they've been through yeah. many more life and death circumstances and, and come out you know unblemished or more or less unblemished you know yeah and he's so, a patriarch here right 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 Before he was just sort of part of you know something part of griffith's group but he still felt like an outsider in a sense whereas here this is his this is completely his thing it's also because he's at that point in his life he's come to recognize the importance of having companions. You know, yeah. uh, after he lost the Falcons, he you know was well. I don't need to explain the history of Gret's life, but you know what I'm saying. He's he's grown yeah. as a person since then. You know. Yeah. Okay, now on to Sidro and Shirke hooking up. So ah. what is this? <laughs> this is what you know, I've been waiting for all along. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Um, I never even really thought of them as a couple, I think, until uh, Azil made like a joking comment about them uh, on a thread. And you'd selected a particular image where in vol- from volume 31, I think it is, when Shiarke is using the blaze rod. Yeah. And um, 
Uh, and, and Isidro is like kind of like there and then they're silhouetted and taking completely out of context. It looks kind of a cute image, but in context, it's kind of inconsequential of a little image, is it not? I mean, where, I would love for Azil to explain how you ground their relationship because I totally see it, but I can't explain it. You know what I mean? Well, you know, the thing is, it's a, it's a antagonism, you know, very simply, you know, much like it's, just, it's, you know, in a way, it's very similar to Gus and Casca, you know, mm. it's oh, like, yeah. you know, they first met and, uh, you know, Right, right away they didn't get along. I mean, Isidro was just, you know, foolish. I mean, he was clumsy. He grabbed her breast, you know, that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So she turned him into a monkey. I mean, a <laughs> monkey style, whatever. So there's always this stuff and, uh, they have this kind of, Isidro was jealous of her, you know, because she, she wields such, you know, power while at the time, you know, he was, you know, I mean, not very good. He didn't know what good he was. And he has this talk with Morgan about, you know, uh, which actually we didn't talk about, you know, during the part about Isidro, but I think it's, it's a yeah. pretty interesting part also, of his character. She also got the adulation, you know, that's what he, he really couldn't stand that it was acknowledged too by guts. Yeah. You know, like when he, he made her the leader essentially, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. he was well, like, I mean, he was running out of the building. If you want to touch on that scene, I, th- I thought we kind of touched on it and the fact that, you know, Sidro's deal is, you know, he doesn't want to have to serve under anybody and he certainly doesn't want to serve under someone who's a girl and is newer to the group, you know. Uh, that was I, I, I don't, I don't think that's the thing. I, I think his problem okay. was that, you know, you know, first, they had this talk with Morgan about, you know, uh, dreams and the fact, yeah. you know, they often, you know, hide uh, an ugly truth, you know, like the fact Morgan ran away, you know, to the witch because he's, he didn't want to take care of his mother, stuff like that. And for Isidro, he, I think he just wanted to be good, you know, to be somebody who was useful and recognized as such and not just somebody f- who fucks up, which is what he did. He fucked up and Morgan actually saved his life by taking a hit for him in the church. So, you know, uh, there's all this stuff and, you know, so he was envious of Shiruke and at the same time, you know, as time goes by, uh, went by, they went to work together and, you know, he was, what's say, insensitive to her, you know, in Ritanis when he, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, pushed her heart away and it was, you know, rolled on by some courage. Then he went to look for her and, right. you know, all that, all that little stuff, you know, and the fact that the same age, of course, all that little stuff and the way they've been, you know, you know, antagonistic with each other. And at the same time, they have, they've had these little things where, you know, like they had some small victory. They, you know, high fived each other, that kind, of, that kind of stuff. It's all this little stuff that I think is going to, is going in that direction. Let's just say it. And Plus, you know, that, no, yeah, go ahead. I was, finish, finish up. I was just, just going to say, and the, the final straw, of course, is, uh, is as Isma, you know. Yeah. Like, I was about to say. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this, this one is just, of course, you know, uh, personally, I, I saw it coming, uh, I would say even in volume 24, I was really like, oh yeah, I see where this is going. But you know, with, with Isma, I mean, to me, it's, it's clear. It's, it's so clear. Obviously, mm-hmm. she's like, you know, she's there not just to make Shuki jealous, but yeah, I think that's it. That's a pretty big, you know, it's a pretty big thing. She, she's got, you know, uh, I'll say bigger boobs and such. This is the kind <laughs> of stuff that's going, you know, yeah, it's just, you know, I can see it. Actually, I, I think it's very subtle, very subtle. One of the most subtle things that Mira has done so far. It's very, it's so slight. You can barely see it, but you know, the day is going to happen. People will be, fuck yeah, of course. Yeah. Why not? Sure. <laughs> it's, it's perfect logical, but they won't have seen it, you know, creeping up on them. In, in terms of Isma, though, I, what I was going to say was, was pretty much exactly that. But I, I did want to add that 
It's, it's still in the form of a potentiality right now, her being introduced. It's not truly a conflict yet. It's kind of a, they're just kind of all companions right now, but yeah. you can, you can see how that would comp- make the relation, their relationship a little more complex. Oh, I, I my, think it's already official from, you know, Shirke's first reading of trying to get yeah, yeah. in touch with Isidro's <laughs> mind yeah. and to yeah, see yeah. where it was at. That's the page <laughs> I was at, actually. Yeah. yeah. If you need. Yeah, it's just, that's yeah I mean, I think that just perfectly like that, you know, you said it was very subtle. Well, I don't know about that. That was really literally in your face, like the way he established that perfectly. Yeah, just a great joke where mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think a- she just re- sort of represents like, yeah, the threat of, uh, you know, that's sort of that outside threat of someone, you know, of things changing sure. just, you know, and also just she's like the free spirited girl where uh where Shirke is a lot more guarded and everything, and it sort of just would make her like you can see it making her roll her eyes if you know Isidro becomes infatuated. Yeah, yeah, especially since he's always been. I mean, he's at an age where he's always been interested in women, even with Lucas girls and such. He was always. Oh yeah, of course. Even if we even if, we have to talk about the the bath scene because they both. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. She's actually the one guarding the door, and and you know, so she she knows about. <laughs> guy (laughs) it's not a a secret she has no illusions you know about you know her her punishments her punishment's pretty brutal oh yeah (laughs) she basically she makes them dark stuff for for those that don't remember the scene she actually like basically makes him naked and ties him up in the Actually, he makes himself – he's already naked when he opens the door, I see. Yeah. He's yeah, removing his clothes in order to get in the bath because he's a kid. So he <laughs> he can't take a bath with the girls, you know, yeah. which is which is, right. is a kind of logic a kid would use, definitely. A, ch- a child's privilege, he says, before he opens yeah, the door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Shirke is already muttering the spell as he opens the door. That's a funny scene. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, through humor, it's uh, it's interesting to us. But that's what I meant by subtle. It's, it's not like a big dramatic scene or anything. It's just, you know, these little scenes that are, you know, they're funny, they're jokes and such. Isidro even drops his dagger and Shuriki actually brings it back to him, you know. Into, yeah, uh, yeah. So all this kind of stuff, you know, is going to culminate at some point. I don't know what it will be. Uh, maybe uh, Isidro, you know. How to say, uh, going to save her or taking a hit for her or, I don't know, some kind of uh, self-sacrifice bullshit or maybe, you know, which versa. I, I have no idea, but I think it's coming sooner or later. It doesn't matter if it's in, you know, two volumes or ten, but yeah, it's coming. I've actually been thinking about just in, in the most recent rereading of the way Guts puts himself on the line in every battle. You know, Shirke's been doing that progressively to an extent as well. And I think it might come in a culmination of that where, you know, Shirake will have to do something like, uh, you know, converse with a spirit that's, you know, maybe a little more violent or more dangerous than normal. And maybe Isidro will put up a plea for maybe this isn't the best way. I'm kind of talking like very rough, roughly about this, but you see what I'm trying to say is, you know, he, he might try to convince her not to take uh, Guts' route for uh, putting himself yeah. on the line in every single battle. Which, which is already, uh, you know, what in written is when there's yeah. this shot of them together. She's, yeah. you know, uh, in the spell and the spell is going to actually, uh, what's say, come in her face, you know. So Isidro's going, he's trying to get her to get out of the way. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, he doesn't succeed and Gus actually just, you know, grabs them both and, you know, yep. throws them out right in time, you know. But yeah, he's already at the time, you know, you know, conscious of her situation and trying to do something for her, even though they've had this, like I say, antagonism, you know, 
mm-hmm. playful or not, you know, together. So, yeah, I think it's going to be at some point, you know, the same situation, but much more serious. And, uh, there's going to be, I don't know exactly how it will happen, but one of them get wounded or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. And yeah, it, it might, you know, come from them. You know, the other will realize that, oh, why am I feeling these feelings? You know, stuff like that. The- the other, the other thing grounding this, this Gary's relationship regarding the, the, the fact that they're wounded, one of them might be wounded or something like that is, you know, Shirke has this crush on Guts and, and Guts is a Sidro's like ideal. So, you yeah. know, he might g- grow up into a guy who has qualities that resemble Guts and so that might set them up to be perfect couple of all time. Well, I also <laughs> think, I also think, uh, you know, even though Shirke's got a crush on Guts right now, I think she, she might realize, you know, at some point that he's not He's not one for her. You know, I don't oh, know. She's why. already there, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, you know, even more so than that. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, there's this little scene where she's like, well, at least we've got this thing together that no one else has right. got. I, I don't know if that's the final thing for her or if there's more. But I, I think at some point she definitely realized that, you know, pretty much the only one for Guts is Casca, you know. And yeah. uh, then she, she also realize that even though Guts is, you know, a great person and, you know, somebody to look up to and, and, and friend and, and so on and so on, but it's not what she wants in a guy. And, uh, yeah. And I think Isidro will be there, you know, waiting, in, you know, <laughs> like lying <laughs> in wait. sound like such a creep, like biting yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think, I think she'll, she'll eventually realize and sort of trans, like those feelings will translate to him and she'll realize yeah. that he is the one who's, you know, more appropriate for her and she'll recognize his own, you know, strengths as a man. Yeah. You know, and sort of how he's been a good, you know, companion to her and all this. Whereas yeah. right now I think she's still sort of stuck in the middle of like, you know, she doesn't even probably understand her feelings completely for guts. You know, I mean, she, she's very yeah. intelligent, but she's still sort of, she's, she's too in the middle of it to like, you know, be that self-aware or like analyze it that, you know, objectively. So, yeah, I mean, right. all it is is like, yeah, like you said, it's just that strong feeling and, you know, it could go a little deeper or get, you know, or she oh, could, you know, maybe pull out soon and not, you know, oh, okay, sort of feel differently about it more. Oh, sorry. I forgot where we were because I was making notes of where we cut out. I was just going to say, like, I think that those feelings she has will eventually, you know, translate to him being, you know, like a father figure to her, you know, more, okay. more strongly than anything. She'll sort that out. In that way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and to tie things back, quite back around, you know, we're talking about their as a relationship, as a couple, you know, fast forwarding into the future would naturally see, you know, how far along they are in their relationship in three years or so could be interesting. But I'd like to be there for that ground zero of that if that actually happens, you know, so. Yeah, I, I think I think we will. I think we, yeah. we would be there. But that being said, I wonder how fight would be, how fight would get, you know. If they're so young, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. are we going to have, actually, I don't know, this is, this even feel kind of embarrassing, you know, like, are they going to, you know, like, go all the way? Or? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I, no, I, I don't know, man. About, when you said ground zero, I was thinking about what would be, who would make the move and what would the moment be like? And I think the closest thing would probably be Isidro, like, kissing her before some big moment, like, just yeah. out of nowhere, like, just to sort of, almost to be like the heroic, you know, guy. Like, yeah. you know, he's not even, he's not even really thinking of her. He's just, it's like, it fits my idiom, you know, <laughs> or something yeah. like, you know, he's going to kiss her and then swing into battle. And that would sort of throw her through a loop. And, you know, I could think of it, I could imagine it going, you know, happening that way. But I think, I think it is going to have to be him making some sort of move because, you know, she's just not like, 
you know, she's I can't she's imagine her. in her own world, sort of. Yeah, that, yeah. that's true. But at the she's same time, she's introverted. Just yeah, because exactly. of that, it, it would be interesting if it was the other way around, you know, just because it would be so unlike her, you know, and it would actually, I think, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think Isidro would just be, you know, shocked, you know, or like, you know, not even shocked. He might even, yeah, get into shock, actually. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting to think about. I, I can't even comprehend them, you know. <laughs> it's going no. all the way. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there might be a waterfall on Skellig, you know. You never know. <laughs> uh, I hope that's after <laughs> they're there for, like, a few years, though. This yeah, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please. Please. Uh, getting into some scandalous territory. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that, that's a good place to stop. <laughs> what yeah. about Rick and Erica, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, I expected her to be pregnant by this time. I mean, shit, he's been hung with her in the in the woods, in the forest, you know, for years. Shit, man. Yeah, she's she's at least thir- she's at least thirteen years old at this point. So. Yeah, but the thing is, yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder <laughs> who she was supposed to be at the time because they, you know, they haven't aged much. I mean, Ricardo, I don't know, I, I guess he's between two ages, but uh, Erica still seems very young, you know, compared to to yeah. what she was, you know, before. So. That's interesting, actor. I really wonder how old they are supposed to be. Yeah, Rickard actually seems to have aged the most out of any of the the characters, yeah. the kid characters. And it's not oh, like there think... was a... hmm? sorry. Do you think no, it's no, just because no, his hair grew longer? <laughs> but I mean, he he just seems he looks lankier. He looks more like a teenager or an adult, sure. you know, a young adult than you know everyone else. Well, I, I think Mira's paid attention to you know the character design for some of the, some of these characters that are supposed to be aging, and he's. Drawn them slightly differently to fill them out more as time's gone on. Whereas others, he hasn't done that as much because it's not as important that time has passed on. Like for my, the ones I'm thinking of are Rickert, who we haven't seen since volume 22. You know, it's, it's expected that when we see him back on the page, he will be drawn slightly differently. So it looks a little older. Yeah. You know, whereas whereas other if characters, he draws Sidro differently, it's like, well, he's off model, you know, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something it's like more of a progression. Sure. My was, what I was going to say earlier before I almost interrupted you was, I think we can pretty safely, you know, roundabout guest character ages if you really want to. Like, I, th- I think Rickard's probably 16-ish, you know? Erica's probably 14, maybe. Uh, yeah. Shirke, Shirke, I've always thought as being 12 or 13. Not much older than that. Uh, Isidro, slightly around the same, 13 or 14, maybe. But, uh, you know, these aren't questions we know for sure, but you, you get the I've, general I, idea. I think of, uh... I think of Erica as younger than uh, Shirke, but yeah, it might, it could be the other way. It might just be my perception, you know, of her as sort of like a little girl well, character, whereas yeah, Shirke seems so much older. Erica does, I, I think she, she looks young for her age, you know. I, I mean, beyond that, her, you know, it might be her personality, you know, she's very, you know. Childlike. I don't know. I, I think she looks younger than she's supposed to be. And uh, I don't think it's just like, you know, Mira not getting her right or anything like that. I think she's supposed to be like that. Like, uh, even if she was, you know, 20, she would still act a bit like, you know, like a kid. I think that's how she's supposed to be. It, it won't be, like, super significant or anything, but it, it would be cool if uh, Shirke and Isidro meet up with Rickard and Erica. They're gonna be at each other's weddings in the party. Oh, there we go. <laughs> they'll be they'll be, they'll be well, at Guts and Casca's wedding. Yeah, and there'll be Mule and uh, Sonia, you know, at the same, you know, yeah, some time. <laughs> yep. One big happy family. <laughs> well, I didn't have anything else planned for this episode. We generally have a video game section and a uh, 
Q&A section, but I mean, we if you want to have... We already had it in the 3DS yeah. thread. I was about to say, <laughs> to, save, to, to save time, you can just read the 3DS thread where Griff and Azil and me to a lesser extent have been arguing about the 3DS for the past two days. So there's that. And uh, we haven't discussed PS4 stuff. I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't really care much about it, discuss it. And again, we don't have time to, so... Next time, we might have a little more time to talk about those things. <clears throat> but otherwise, post in the thread, and we will get back to you guys there. you guys have anything else? Uh, no. Uh, I'm uh, getting married. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we have to just talk about that. I, I, yeah, I, sorry uh, to throw I it in there at the end. On, but... I found out about that on Facebook. Thanks a lot, bro. No, I, I sent you a text, but I think it was to your, your old phone is what happened. Yeah, I, sent it to I you. didn't get any shit. Fuck you. you. I told you I was going to get the ring after the podcast oh, last time. That, that's true, but you didn't get me. How it went? <laughs> I Sorry. It. Sir, then it from Walter, who learned it from Facebook. Fuck. <laughs> I'm not really I'm, I'm just... I'm just pretending to be upset, just you know, to be sure. But uh, yeah, anyway, really upset. I know. (laughs) I know. How did it actually? How did it go down? How did it all work? Did it? Was it successful? Oh, it was a it was a big success. It was on uh, Valentine's Day. Got her up. I spent all my. I emptied my bank account on an engagement ring. We went out to eat at our favorite little French bistro. And I was thinking of doing it there, and then right outside there is her old neighborhood, and I was thinking maybe here. But then we went to UCLA to walk around there on Valentine's because that's where we really sort of first, you know, started courting. Mm-hmm. And we, I took her to where to one of the first places that we, you know, sort of went on a little date and where we walked around. And since it was Valentine's Day, it allowed me to, you know, wax poetically about our relationship and recall all these like fond memories without being suspicious. Mm-hmm. And we were literally on these steps where, you know, we first sort of, you know, gazed into each other's eyes or however you want, however romantic you want to get to it. And so then, you know, she gave me uh, her Valentine's card and, you know, I'm able to, you know, recall all these, you know, sort of beautiful memories from our past without raising any suspicion about what I was going to do. And we, we exchanged cards and I pretend to uh, to drop the one I'm going to give her. So mm-hmm. I go down on one knee to pick it up and uh, hand it to her. And so she's reading it. And while she's reading it and getting to the part where, you know, it has the proposal in there, I already have the ring out and I say it to her in her eye. You know, while, it, while I see I'm looking at her eyes and she's like she was reading it pretty damn fast. Like she got to the second page. and I'm like, oh, shit, I better do this because I didn't want the <laughs> card. I didn't want the card to beat me to the punch. And so I proposed and she was, you know, taken, you know, by surprise, but was thrilled and said yes. And. It was a happy ending. Oh, and nice. I, I have to mention that she did drop the ring. Nice. Like immediately. <laughs> She's, it fell off her finger because it was too big. Jeez. It was my fault. <laughs> but yeah, so um, in the oh, aftermath, man. immediately, a lot of happiness, but also I was searching on the ground for like any loose diamonds or anything. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. Jeez. But you know, so yeah, that's, that's like our funny little story from, uh, from the engagement moment, I guess. Well, I'm glad it went well, and she did not. I have to credit, you know, fact, have to credit Gobbs for uh, you know giving me some inspiration, you know, helping me sort of think about planning it. <laughs> it was just it was just helpful hearing someone else, you know, give their recount their experience, you know, so so soon before I did it, and so vividly as well, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, she I was uh, she did not know she was it was a complete surprise to her. Did she have? Yeah, it was a total surprise. She actually, I had considered doing it uh, at Christmas or New Year's, and she, I guess, she was sort of you know hoping for it 
then and then when it didn't happen like i guess she like you know she, she privately you got a little you know crestfallen on it so she wasn't expecting it at all which you know works out because i for some reason i wanted it to be just this huge surprise you know i called her you know i contacted her family on the sly and you know, people were telling me, you know, you can set these things. I guess other people, it's like, you know, they go pick the ring together and stuff like that. Whereas I had it in my head, it needs to be a big surprise. Right. Well, congratulations, dude. I'm glad it went well. Yeah. And Congrats, you, man. Do you guys have a date? Uh, Tentatively next May 2nd, because that's been our, uh, our anniversary has always been like at the beginning of May. And so we're trying to hold on to that. Awesome. Well, good luck with that, and I look forward to getting an invitation, putting yep. my request in. All right, I'll you <laughs> and as I mean, you guys feel free to, to for the huge giant you know plane rides. Yeah, yeah, sure, it would be a pleasure if uh, if I can afford it. You know, don't feel compelled or anything. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to be there. Oh, cool. Thanks for recording, guys. I got a split. All right. Yeah, we can hear that. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I found Well, <laughs> this recording equipment is hurriedly detached, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is it. Oh, we should continue our 3DS debate, actually. For oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Is this going to last, you know, four hours? <laughs> yeah. No, let's let's not. It's, I think we said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's not much to say actually. I just, yeah, uh, I just don't even know what we talked about. I already forgot. I, I think we pretty much came to the same. Like, you know, I I was very hard on the 3ds, but you know, it's like blowing off steam. Yeah, I understand that. I was thinking actually that. Um, to say that you surprised me is that I think the 3DS is really, really in line with the uh, NDS. You know, I think they are pretty much the same systems. They have the same life cycles. They have almost the same history. Anything similar. So I was just surprised that you would like one, you know, so much while, you know, disliking the other so much. Just, you well, know, no, it's it odd to me. No, no, well, I, I, I guess I sort of miscommunicated my feelings. Like I didn't mean to sort of like, say the NDS is so much better, get that. Because obviously you can, you know, you can do every, you can play the, the NDS games on the 3DS from an investment standpoint. It does make sense. I'm just like, I was just saying like, if you were going to play like one game or if you wanted to play some classic games, if you want to do it more cheaply, because to me it's, I'm just really bitching about money is what it was. Yeah. It was cheap. <laughs> you know, if money wasn't an object, you know, I wouldn't care and it would be great. So, well, yeah, yeah but- I, I can agree on uh, on that aspect anyway. If, if you want more, you know, uh, how to say value for your money, you know, in general, I think it's better to just buy systems as they are almost, you know, ended, and you just, you know, get all the great games on them for cheap. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's more value for your money, definitely. And actually, there's always been, you know, not really a debate, but you know, there's a you know things between people. Who going to be first-time buyers, you know, day one, you know, purchasers, and people who wait and get things, you know, later on. Well, I think we we are to to quit now because uh, yeah, let's let's get out of here. Wait, I'm back and I have my son. Oh, nice, <laughs> so hey Kagan. Talk- How are you doing? It's podcast debut. Yeah, to make him burp. You know, actually, he he actually just did burp like right before I cut wow. the mic on. So, whoops. 
you know oh, any well. tricks to like you know making him gassy right away again or <laughs> <laughs> if i could if i could lactate yeah <laughs> nice I, I can't Not that's yet, a anyway. podcast first i don't want to be a part of <laughs> <laughs> i actually wanted to get back and see if azil was on to talk about crimson shroud which i just beat last night um but uh it was a pretty fucking good game but yeah you know despite the fact that i said it being short probably wouldn't bother me. Yeah, it bothered me. Like, yeah, it bothered me. You know, I knew it. I knew yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's like the, the game unleashes its full scope in like chapter three or so, and then the game ends short shortly after that, and you're like, God damn, that could be easily be the groundwork for a total like a full full game. You know, really yeah. easily. You know, and I, I hope they actually. I, no, I doubt they ever will, given the fact that Gilda One probably wasn't a huge success from what I've read. But well, I. Just- the Go thing ahead. is, uh, they are making a guild too, you know, guild mm. zero two, and uh, but it's you know four different you know people making four ah. different games. And the thing is, Matsuno uh, left level five, so I'm ah, afraid. Geez. Yeah, I'm afraid we'll level. He just did that game and just you know went to do his own stuff. It's too bad. You, what it what it reminded me of throughout the fact throughout when I was playing it. This this Griff, you can relate to this at least. You know, um, you've heard of Radical Dreamers before, right? Yeah. Okay. And Radical Dreamers was like a Super Nintendo satellite game that provided a Chrono Trigger, right? right like sort of right. a sort of like a sequel. Yeah, sort of. It's almost like Chrono Trigger fan fiction, like like a sequel kind of thing. But basically, um, it provided the groundwork for what became Chrono Cross. You know, it gave you like the really basic characters, although characters and character relationships were changed from Chrono Cross from Radical Dreamers. I can see this sort of a similar thing happening with this game, where you know. The lore is the same, the characters are the same, but maybe it's a totally different scope of a game, you know? Because I think what's there, the groundwork of what's there is very, very cool. Yeah. And as, as much as I love the rudimentary kind of austere design of everything, I would like to see it taken to the next level. Like, there's such minimal character animations. If they had a little bit more, you know, I think it would be even better. Like, even you can keep the the fact that they're all figurines. That's awesome. <laughs> But yeah. take it to the next level, making them animate a little bit more than they do. Oh, I think well, you be... lost me there. <laughs> oh, man. They're, they're totally – it's totally awesome, dude. Like you've seen like Warhammer figures, you know, like they're on little pedestals and everything. I was just saying, is it Skylanders or something? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like the, the character designs themselves, they're like – they're stuck in the same animations or oh, like, okay. pose basically. But they animate around that. Like they, they kind of wobble, you know. Yeah, it's – you know – it's supposed to be like you're playing a tabletop RPG, you know, with right. your friends, you know, like, you know, Dungeon Dragons, you know, being a, a true nerd, you know, yeah. and uh, you're like, oh, so my guys, you know, he's walking there and he shoots his ball and you're like, you know, shaking your little you yeah, know, guy, you know, it's, it's just pretty much like that. So everything's yeah. like that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And when, for example, when the bad guys die, you know, they just they, they topple back, you know, so. Yeah, I, they don't. They don't just topple back. They they topple back, and then you see like the branding on the bottom of their thing. Like it says yeah. level five on the bottom of it. Yeah, it's it's and you know Evans' narration is just like Jose uh, Dungeon Master is reading. You know from his book, like you yeah. walk away. You know you proceed with caution. Uh, you feel like that. It's very. It's all done to be reminiscent of uh, old school. You know RPGs. You know not not just video games, but actual. You know tabletop game so it's yeah it's very it's very interesting you know in that regard and actually it didn't bother me at all i didn't mind that they weren't animated i I didn't not mind it i I thought it was endearing my my thing is i just wish there was more of it you know like i said regarding animations 
they're really just it only happens like in one of two two instances but like how cool would it be if you saw them like sliding across the the map as they progress or something like that you know rather than just wobbling i don't know just a small touch would be would be cool yeah yeah why not Anyway, yeah. very very fun game. I think I, only, I think it's like six bucks or seven bucks, but it, it's it's definitely for the quality of the experience, it's certainly worth it. But it's only I only got like seven hours out of it, I think. Yeah, well, I, it's the first time because it took me a, a while to get you know the stone you know I told you about. Same here. So, yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. I think I I spent uh, maybe eight hours and a half you know on it before I finished it, Ooh. and now I'm. I'm like uh, ten hours in, and uh, hey, there he was. I heard what? him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He talked. Yeah. <laughs> now he's he's grabbed hold of my my headphones and he won't let go. Do you want to talk, guy? No. Oh my god, let go. Oh my god, let go. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do you have something to say? He's nothing. Nothing. He thinks you're crazy because you're talking to nobody from his point. Yeah. I can probably get him to laugh. It's not that difficult. No, he's not performing today. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to force him like a monkey. So I've started, you know, I finished Crimson Shroud pretty much, you know, did it all night last night. I think I played three hours last night. Uh, and I've completely stopped playing everything else because of that. So, but it's really fun. Well, that's what a good game will do to you. Yeah. It's been a while yeah. since I really, I mean, I guess I've been playing Fire Emblem, but honestly, you know, the, the seven hours that I spent in Crimson Shroud are all, already like way better quality experience than Fire Emblem. Which is just wow. a lot of grinding and battling. It's, the story is a fucking joke. I can't, I can't get over how terrible the story is in that game. And uh, that, that doesn't make me look forward to Fire Emblem. And I was looking forward to it. You can summarize almost every single like story beat in that game in like a sentence. Like it's just, ugh. but uh, uh, is it better or worse than Robo Sapien looks? Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. oh my god! <laughs> oh, it's a little bit better. A little bit. <laughs> okay. It's, it's actually, it's actually, it's actually um, more predictable than Robo Sapien, at least. Yeah, Robo Sapien has some weird turns, I guess. You know, <laughs> I did not see that coming. How did you find? And why is the quality of the trailer so terrible? Is it like that's the only quality they could afford? Because everything else, the production actually looks like someone spent a, a decent chunk of change trying to make us look like a legitimate movie, like a, yeah. like a real movie. Yeah, yeah I, I have no idea. <laughs> And apparently it's just got one of the producers that's part of, like, that Marvel producer. Yeah. Which is why it's like, oh, the producer of X-Men. And it's like, it clearly has no real tie to these movies. That's what yeah. I would do. If, if That's what I would do if one of my key grips worked on Spider-Man. I'd say yeah. <laughs> from the talent that brought you Spider-Man. Like, the guy that held the light or the microphone off of camera. But, but they, like, they overplay their hand where it's like, Spider-Man, <laughs> X-Men. And it's like, oh, and Iron Man. It's like, okay, really? <laughs> it's like... I've never seen people like really push other movies so much in their own trailer. Mm. What was it recently with James Cameron? They had like Avatar from the director of Titanic. Like, what? That's not really the one I would go for, but sure, you know, whatever. Oh yeah. Well, they always. My favorite is when they have from the director of. Uh, oh God, it might have been uh, the producers of Ted and the director of Horrible Bosses. It was for this Identity Thief one. When I was like. Well, unfortunately, you've got the wrong people from each, you know, you want yeah. the director from Ted and the producers of Horrible Boss. It's probably what is, is, is Ted the one with the, the bear? Yeah. Oh, okay. Man, uh, I was, I was actually watching TV yesterday because, um, 
I was stuck on the couch for a bit yesterday, and I saw two movies. I saw Five Minutes of Van Wilder, which, holy shit, what a terrible movie. My God. Oh, I thought you were going to say it held up. No, dude. (laughs) So it's like a chick goes over to the the frat party. There's two parties going on, right? There's the Van Wilder party where everything's cool and happening, and then there's the frat party. So the chick goes to the frat party, and he goes, you can't miss the party of the year, and then cue like can sound effects of crickets, like cricket, 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 cricket. It's funny because it's wow. not actually happening. Yeah, that's that, that movie really fucking held up. Yeah, great. Uh, also, Ghostbusters. Uh, I caught the end of Ghostbusters. Fantastic film. But it made me think, as a kid and even to this day, I still sort of hope that Bill Murray walks away from that smoking building with a Gozer around his arm <laughs> instead of Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> I always want those two to make it out of there. I like their chemistry. <laughs> what a weird, I've, I've never thought that. Oh, yeah. yeah. You should watch, yeah, watch that movie. Watch, watch their scenes with that in mind, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it takes it to a whole different level. Oh yeah, just read my Ghostbusters fan fiction. <laughs> show this bitch how we do things yeah. downtown. <laughs> <laughs> See, laying the groundwork for it with that line already. If you're, if you're thinking of them as a couple, that does totally change the context of that line. <laughs> Are you a god in bed? <laughs> yeah, good movie. Anyway, that's all I got. Yeah, Go, I Ghostbusters gotta, I actually have well. to to get going okay so yep good talking if you guys want to talk more crimson shroud i will listen to it later and uh i promise i'm gonna play that and i'm gonna play uh what's the one about the souls dark souls yeah Yeah. dark souls right after as finishes (laughs) vagabond and breaking bad and the wire i'm gonna i'm in process i'm uh i'm just started reading uh vagabond uh uh, volume fourth whoa no i'm kidding Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> because I thought volume four sounded suspicious. <laughs> yeah, it's because I, I I've got the the first four volumes. You know, I bought them like you know ten years ago, and uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I haven't uh, followed is, up on that. Is that out in France? Is it? They have a French edition. Shit, man! They were out in France before they were out in the USA. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. <laughs> Later, guys. Yeah. See ya. Okay, well, I'll, I won't keep you very long. I just wanted to say I'm glad you basically encouraged me to play that a little more because I, th- I think I'd only gotten as far as um, the Minotaur the very first time, and I'd kind of like, oh, okay, whatever, you know. But I didn't yeah. really dive into it and explore all the systems. And once I got a grasp of the systems, really, really enjoyed the game a lot. So yeah, it's a it's a neat little game. Yeah, well, I I got um, I borrowed uh, Assassin's Creed uh, three uh, today. So oh yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah, well, the thing is, you know, I've got all of those things to play, and yeah, hey there. Yeah, he's talking. He's, he's, but, uh, he's frustrated that I'm not walking around. <laughs> Ow. Have you seen uh, the Assassin's Creed 4 trailer? Uh, no, I didn't see it because I didn't play the third one, but uh, it's about uh, being pirates and such, right? <laughs> it sure is. Well, you know, why not, I guess. The trailer is really super embarrassing. Like it's like a hi- oh. it's like a it's like a hype trailer. Like it's Blackbeard talking about the main character, but he's talking like he's like this guy's a real badass to like fellow pirates. <laughs> it's really it's just super super ham fisted cheesery. Oh well, it's bad. You know. Yeah, well, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I'll play Assassin's Creed Three, but I'm I'm not in a hurry, and uh, I'm actually more interested in the Tomb Raider game. You know, that's coming out. Oh yeah, but, but but then again, I'm not really. I don't know. Yeah, I think you you didn't play the first one, or you only. 
I've never really played a, a, a Tomb Raider. I've, I've only played like, uh, like I said, I shot some bats and that's it. Basically, yeah, well, that's my experience with Tomb Raider. Well, I got the PlayStation pretty early on when it was released and, uh, Tomb Raider was a, a pretty big title at the time. And yeah, I, I was, uh, really into it and, uh, it's, uh, it's a, you know, I wouldn't say defining, you know, a uh, game for the PlayStation for me, but yeah, it's, yeah, actually I would say that it's, uh, it's, it's an important game, uh, in the PlayStation history, as far as I'm concerned, so, and I played, uh, second and third games as well. So, yeah, wow. I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. And, uh, yeah, but the I've thing heard, is, yeah. I've heard good things about it. Um, I've heard some kind of middling things as well, but I say the, the good outweighs the bad just based on the, in terms of what I've heard, so. Yeah, well, I read good reviews. That's why I'm interested in it. Yeah. So, no, no days, you know, for me to buy a game. Without, you know, caring for the reviews, it's got to be, like, it's got to be Mass Effect 3, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, that. so even for, you know, Mirror of Fate, you know, the new Castlevania on 3DS. Mm-hmm. You gonna get that? Yeah, I, I pre-ordered it like a okay. year ago, but, uh, now I'm, you know, the, the demo was, I don't know, it wasn't bad per se, but it was also not that good, and I was disappointed by, you know, a uh, lot of Shadow, so I'm not sure, I'll, I'll see. Yeah. If I if I can't you know get the reviews, I might cancel my pre-order and you mm. know wait to see if it's good. If it's not that good, I have no reason to waste money on it. It's just it's so funny because it's it's not that I don't, I can't imagine it's that difficult to make a good 2D Castlevania given the lineage that the, the game has. Like you can yeah. even crap out like a like a you know sort of a clone of like Dawn of Sorrow. I'd be happy on 3DS. You know you don't have to do too much, but it sounds like they're not even doing anything. Like even half decent. If they're just doing the Lords of Shadow premise, but in a two D world, like that's not enough for me. You know, it has to be a real. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's just weird. I I don't really know what uh, Konami is doing. You know, and uh, the guys, uh, the guys from Mercury Steam. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't really like their style. I yeah. mean, they've they've done you know some pretty good stuff, but. They're just, you know, it's just not a Castlevania game, you know. It's, it's right. just it's Castlevania name only, and even then, it's it's kind of pushing it. So I, I don't know. That does I make get... this particular game very interesting because Lords of Shadow, you could say, was only a Castlevania game in name only, but now they're saying, oh, but this is two D, like Castlevania. Like they're, they're they're further towing that line, they're saying, no, no, it's a Castlevania game, guys. You know, it's like really? yeah, of course, yeah, and it, and it's got it's like it's uh, starring, you know, uh, Simon Richard. and uh, Trevor. I, I think, uh, yeah. oh, no, it's I think it's, it's You're right. You're right. And, uh, I think that it's even got, uh, Alucard, so it's pretty much, you know, it's Jeez. got everybody. I did not know that. Yeah, but, you know, again, I'm still not sure. We'll see, I guess, we'll see, but, uh, um, yeah. I don't know, I'm not convinced. Okay. Well, I guess we'll cut it off there. Um, I have no idea how I'm gonna cut up this podcast. I might just release it as is and say deal with it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That'll well, be fun. Yeah. All right, dude, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, see ya. See ya.